0: You're my wine and whiskey
1: And that's a bit of the great new release from my guest, James Downham. The song is called Wine and Whiskey from his full length debut album that is out now called The Long Way Home. We're going to play a couple of tracks from that album, including Wine and Whiskey. My pleasure now to introduce you to James Downham. Hey there, buddy.
2: Hey, how are you doing, Dave? Thanks for having me.
1: James, I'm doing great, first of all. And yeah, it's great to have you here. I think, is this your first time on the podcast?
2: Uh, on the podcast, yeah, we, we, you and I, of course, over the years have spoken, but I th- yes. think in this uh, in this format, I think this is the first time, yeah.
1: I think it is, yeah. Sometimes it's been years since I've talked to people on the podcast, so it's easy to forget, but uh, yeah, I know we've run into each other a lot, I've seen you perform, had you out at the Moonshine, and you've been yeah. wonderful. And of course, I've got you coming out to Neon and Denim, the big uh, full band showcase, normally it's songwriter showcases I put on, this time it's full band, we got a great band to join you with five other artists and yourself, James, at the Rivoli happening on July 15th. Can't wait for that.
2: I'm very excited about this, actually. I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm actually really excited to see some of these other acts play uh, <laughs> and share the stage. That's, uh, I'm really looking forward to that, for sure.
1: That's one cool thing too, because you'll be able to be in the audience and all the other artists watching each other <laughs> uh, perform. And of course, I know with it being a Toronto show, we'll get a lot of other artists out in the audience to watch it. I got a really good feeling about this show and um, I love the Rivoli. I've been there a bunch of times and there's just a great energy there. So really looking forward to it. You and the other artists will share original songs and a cover and then we're going to wrap it up with a great finale of cover songs at the end. But we won't give away too much. Um, (laughs) First of all, James, congratulations on this great album produced by Matt Cable. We'll talk about Matt, uh, but the long way home. How does it feel to have this album out now?
2: Uh, It feels pretty good, I have to say, because it it was a a pretty lengthy process. It was um, uh, probably about a year and a half, I think, of, you know, focused energy on that, knowing that, okay, this is what I'm doing. I mean, it really got kick-started a couple of of years ago now, because um, one of the tracks on the album is the duet I did with Amanda Kind, uh, we were okay. That went out to radio in the summer of 2021. And I think we wrote it probably May-ish, probably in 2021. So it was after that track that Matt and I started talking about what's next mm-hmm. and uh, and decided on, on the album. So it's it's um, those conversations started happening two years ago. So uh, when you release something like that to the world, and there's 14 tracks on this, and yeah. I, there aren't a lot of folks that are you know, doing full records right now. A lot of singles to radio is what people are focusing on, but to, you just kind of breathe a sigh of relief and then immediately think, now what do I do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. I know that's how it is as an artist. It's what are you going to do next is always yeah. what's on your mind.
2: Yeah. And I don't know what I'm going to do next. So I'm, I'm hoping to just try to enjoy the, you know, the, this, uh, having the, having the album out there and, and, you know, and, and getting, I mean, I've been getting, I think it was some really great feedback on the record, which is good because it just validates all the, the work, mm-hmm. but I had a great team behind me and it wasn't just all me that there were, I think on the album, there are maybe 15 different writers that I wrote with on that. Um, and of course, Matt Cable, uh, fantastic producer uh, played keys and other instruments on there too. And, uh, and, and the studio uh, musicians were just, top notch
1: guys you know absolutely yeah it's so great to be surrounded by a great team the writers uh, the musicians and of course Matt as your producer and yeah this is the time to celebrate this album and not think too much about what's down the road because you've got future singles on here of course uh it is a great album you've got that great country voice it really just Thank it you. suits country music and you know I've seen you do it live at the moonshine as well uh your songs and you know you you live up to what we hear on the recordings
2: uh, well, thank you so much. I, I would say I wasn't always so sure that I had that country voice. And, you know, I certainly don't sing overly twangy, I don't think, or anything like that. But, um, but I'll, I mean, you hear a lot of folks sing, so I'll just take that as a great compliment.
1: <laughs> For sure, yeah, the deepness of the voice and just the, the way it comes across. Was On that subject, James, was country always your genre of choice? As, as an artist, I'm sure as, a, as a, a person, you listen to all kinds of stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, as an artist, I, I mean, I got my start back when I was in university, going back a few years now was the mid nineties. Um, and I had a kind of a, probably like a grunge alt rock band. That's what, that was what we were doing. Um, I listened to some country growing up. It was really what my dad was listening to. It was things like, um, Kenny Rogers and John Denver and Dolly Parton and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, But it wasn't what I was leaning towards in, uh, earlier on in my career. And it wasn't really until, uh, some buddies of mine were putting together, like I was not involved they were putting together a Tim McGraw tribute act and were looking for a singer. And they asked me a couple of times and I'm like, I can't sing country. Like I couldn't do that. (laughs) And, uh, and they found another singer, um, but he wouldn't come out and rehearse with them. So they were rehearsing for a show. They had like a big uh, St. Patrick's Day show um, that they were looking forward to. So they were rehearsing, learning all the stuff. And uh, But the singer wouldn't come out. He was, too, he was worried he was going to wreck his voice. And so my buddy Mark, like, wore me down and just convinced me to just come out. He said, come on, we'll have, we're having a fun time anyway. And, you know, it would be great to have somebody sing along while we're, you know, Learning the tracks, so mm-hmm. so I did that, and then it just one day it just kind of just kind of clicked. I, I realized I could do, you know, not just the country thing, but you know, try to do the Tim McGraw thing, right? So they did their show. Uh, it's St. Patrick's Day, and then they promptly dropped that singer and <laughs> convinced <laughs> me to join the group, and and I did that for about twelve years. Um, and I think even then, I, I was I didn't really think I had the 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 chops to uh, to really do country uh, as a as an artist beyond doing the tribute piece um, and so when I kind of kick started my you know or, original music career I guess back in 2015 is when I kind of got back into that mm-hmm. I think I thought I was starting a rock band oh wow and uh, when we would play shows and I, I mean the I thought that's what they were. I thought they were rock songs, but people continued to come up to me and say things like, wow, I love country music. You know, great. And, I, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why they thought I was country. Um, right. I mean, we had no, there was no fiddles. There was no steel. There was, I didn't think the songs were country songs necessarily, but apparently after you've been singing Tim McGraw for 12 years, that's just really hard to shake, I guess. Uh, so, or maybe it was my, my my true colors finally coming through too. I don't know, but um, but that's where um, uh, that's where 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 I think it, that came from. And uh, and when I first put a song to radio and we were tracking it to you know pop and rock radio,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, where I actually had success was on country stations.
1: Isn't that something? Yeah. Wow! So, so you could really not stay away from country if you tried. <laughs> no.
2: No, I couldn't. And so I, I, I think there was a point in time where I just, you know, realized I guess that is what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Um, And, and then just, you know, kind of make a conscious decision to lean into it. But at the same time, you know, I, I never had any desire to, you know, to, to sound exactly like everything I heard on the radio necessarily. Right. Like I, I still wanted to be me. I still wanted to do the kinds of songs that I enjoyed doing and, um so i've i mean i think i've stuck with that but uh uh, yeah so i'm 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 firmly in the country scene now and the and the country community is incredible as you all know yeah i I don't think it exists in any other genre i don't think there's the level of support uh, acceptance camaraderie community that we have in the country music community in in ontario and in canada it's unparalleled
1: i think Totally agree with you. And that's something I always say, too. And I wonder if other genres have it. But I just I think that is unique to country, just that bond we have and the way we connect and uh, just that whole support system. And so I agree with you on that. Now, the Tim McGraw thing is cool. He's one of my favorite artists. Can you pick? This is tough because I don't think I could pick a favorite Tim McGraw song. I love his new song Standing Room Only, which is really cool. And, of course, Live Like You Were Dying is probably my favorite, but I got a ton of his. Don't take the girl one of his first yeah. songs, if not early songs, if not his first. What about for you? Do you, after all your years of singing Tim McGraw, is there one that you love above the rest?
2: That's a great question. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know if I can pick one necessarily, but I will say that um, uh, Live Like You Were Dying has always been a special one. When when it, it, it came out right at the time, when I started in the, in the tribute uh, world.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: we were gearing up for a show and that song came out or that record came out. I got the record as soon as it came out. And I said to my buddy, Mark, I'm like, you got to hear this track. Like this is going to be a huge hit, you know? <clears throat> <clears throat> Pardon me. And I think the other thing too, is that I'm, you know, I, I like singing songs that are vocally challenging that are, you know, soaring vocals and things like that. So that song does that. And I think the other ones that I really enjoyed doing of Tim McGraw's uh, were some of the duets with Faith Hill, right? Yeah, I think for that the harmonizing, some powerful vocals. Uh, I think that's one of the things that when Amanda Kind and I were uh, writing, uh, we were okay with, also with Matt Cable and Carrie DeMayer. We were trying to channel, I think, that that vocal. Feel and sound of those just really soaring vocals, d- doing the Tim and Faith type thing. Yeah. Oh, um, that's
1: cool. Yeah, yeah. Of course, "It's yeah. Your Love" was their first and probably the biggest duet they did. Uh, I think they ha- they had another one. I need you.
2: Yeah, and another one I liked doing was. Um, well, I mean, they had a few that uh, let's make love. Yep. was another one, and then um, like we never loved at all. Uh, that, was, yeah. that was another uh, favorite of mine too, for sure.
1: Yeah. Another uh, one of sure. his, I mean, I could go on and on, but uh, please remember me written by Rodney Crowell.
2: <laughs> you know what? And that was one that I, when we were doing the Tim McGraw thing, I, we didn't do it a lot, but, um, but I loved doing that one again. It's just another song that just lays it out there vocally. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh um, yeah. They're a very challenging kind of song in terms of like the vocals, like you say, <clears> you really felt it out. And there's so much depth to that song uh great artist um let's turn to some of your music let's uh, talk about wine and whiskey which is the new single there's a video out for it as well at a church uh and this is such a great song because of course the title would make us think of wine and whiskey and wanting to drink it but this is more about a person in your life that is your wine and whiskey is kind of your comfort
2: yeah and i mean it's a title that i had and i i that uh i didn't want it to be you know, another country drinking song necessarily. Although, there, I mean, there are lots of them. Um, there's lots of whiskey references for sure. Um, but um, but this one just came out. I wrote uh, Wine and Whiskey with Matt Cable and Andrew Parton. Um, so we, I, I threw the title out. We, um, uh, and I knew, I, I think at first, like I knew it was about a woman, right? Like it was, or the, the, the other person in the relationship, but sort of, but it really, Uh, came from there and really i think what it's getting at is that a lot of people in difficult times turn to vices like alcohol you know Mm -hmm. to self-medicate and kind of get through hard times and this song really is about having that person that you know having probably something stronger than that stronger than the liquor is one of the lines in this song it's having that person who you know at the end of the day you come home to who understands you who's there to listen to you who can support you you know, they're your wine and whiskey.
0: When I get knocked down by a hard day And it's easy to give up I can turn into a safe place Where I feel like I'm enough You're my wine and whiskey.
2: gotten a lot of feedback from people who where it really resonates uh with them like they they really identify with that feeling of having that you know true bond with somebody who can really hold them up when times are difficult
1: that's got to be a great thing to get that kind of feedback on a song you've written james that resonates with you and you wrote it for that purpose because it means something to you but then other people are telling you how important that song is that's almost got to almost feel unreal on one level that so many people are um connecting with the song the way you hope they would
2: yeah it's uh it it, it's really crazy when I think about it like I mean I've put other songs out into the world but I don't think I've had people connect quite in this way which I think is why the song seems to be doing so well right now a couple of little little, quick little stories one is that the day the song came out as a a single to streaming platforms it's it's out of radio right now uh, I was doing a benefit show in Stratford which where I live and um It was a a benefit for clean water for the Oneida of the Thames. They were having a water crisis at the time. And uh, so a bunch of artists uh, from the area were there. And uh, one of the uh, elders was on stage organizing the event. Mm -hmm. And from the stage prior prior to getting started, I'd been talking to his partner uh, who was sort of at the merch table there. And we were chatting and she had listened to the song and she really liked it. So that was great. But while we were chatting and and her partner was on stage addressing the crowd, um, he was thanking people and he turned to his partner from the stage in front of this full audience and said, and I want to thank my partner uh, for being there to support me. You're, you're my wine and whiskey. Like wow. he said this in a heartfelt way. I hadn't gone up and sang the song yet or anything like that. We hadn't started the show. Yeah, I was dumbfounded. Like it, I, I had to stop and just say like, did, did somebody just quote, My song lyric, like from the stage in a way like that, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like put on or anything like that. Like he meant it, like he Mm -hmm. heard that lyric, listened to the song and he identified with it and then, you know, said that. So that was, I I was blown away by that. And then another thing that I just is crazy is that, um, a fan reached out from, I think maybe from South Carolina to let me know that she was getting married and that was their wedding song. They've oh wow! Heard it somewhere somehow, and uh, just reached out to me on on uh, on Facebook or Instagram and just said, "I wanted to let you know that you know we this is our wedding song." I couldn't believe it. It was, just, <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy.
1: That is the ultimate for for a song to be a wedding song. That uh, yeah, that's quite a high honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible! It's such a beautiful song. There's the music video out; uh, people can check out online. Songwriting for you, James. When did you first decide and uh, feel compelled to start writing songs?
2: I I think I always wrote when I was younger. I, I definitely wrote um, poetry. You know, like that. I, I I did that. I found found that really challenging, right? Like sure. to get the, the the meter and the rhyme and all, and yeah. all of that sort of thing. And so, um uh but it was my buddy mark i've mentioned who's who's been in my band and we've had a bunch of musical journey <laughs> experiences or our journey uh, together um uh he and i when we were in i'm going to say junior high uh just started writing songs right and he played piano and neither of us played guitar yet and uh, just started and they were silly songs you know the songs that 12 year old boys write, <laughs> right i guess right um Uh, they were silly songs until they weren't silly songs until we started taking it more seriously. And then we ended up um, in high school, we, we continued to write and uh, he was living in Pembroke where I lived when I was young and I was living in Picton. Uh, But we continued to, to our our friendship and, and to visit and write songs. And then we went to the university of Waterloo together. We were roommates and then we were writing nonstop. Um, And so, but the interesting thing is that uh, he and I wrote, tons of songs together and, um, and then, you know, you, you get jobs and you do different things and you, you, you know, you don't spend as much time doing that sort of stuff together. And, um, and then I only really wrote on my own and it was really only in this particular project Mm -hmm. in the last, you know, two, three years, I guess, where I really started writing with other people again. I had tried a couple of times and I just didn't get the, the feel with, it might've just been the people that I was trying to write with or my own internal barriers or obstacles sure. I guess um but uh when Matt and I started talking about um uh, an album I mean I'd already been doing some co-writing in a virtual songwriting group through the pandemic so that got me started but uh Matt started booking rights with with other writers uh you know in, in Nashville and Canada and wherever Australia yeah. um and uh whatever I thought was difficult about writing songs with other people, which just wasn't there anymore. It's actually been a ton of fun and you get a lot of uh, different ideas and perspective, of course, when you have more people in the room. Right. So, um, so that's been great. So I think in the last couple of years, I've written more than I have in more than a decade, I'm sure. You
1: know? Oh, wow. Is there uh, and I asked this question a lot, and I've done some songwriting as well, but when you go into a co-write, uh, with people you haven't uh, written with before, so anybody listening who wants to do co-writing and you're approaching somebody new or a couple of new writers, is there any etiquette or how how prepared should you be when you go into that new write?
2: That's a good question. I don't know if I'm the guy to answer that question. I'm probably, <laughs> if there's etiquette, I've probably broken all the rules. Um, but in my experience, you know, like I think it's actually the people that I've been writing with, it's been fairly easygoing. I think people just come in and uh, sometimes people have a, a structured idea about what they, what they want to bring. Um, mm-hmm. But most of those sessions have started the same way. It's just like, is there anything in particular you, you, uh, you're, you, you want to write? Did you have any ideas? I think one of the things maybe that's different for me too, that, that might be then, then maybe for some other writers is that I'm an artist. So I think they tend to ask me what I might be looking for. Right. And I'm not always looking to write something for my next project necessarily. Right. I I, I'm interested in writing good songs. And if there's another artist who might better suit that song, then, you know, that would be great too. Right. For Mm me. Um, So I think that, I mean, that sort of colors my experience a bit in that people are asking me what, what it is that I want to do. And and particularly, of course, leading up to the album, I was looking for some tracks for, for the album. I wanted to, make sure the album itself was very well rounded. Right. It didn't, it wasn't all the same 12, 14 versions of the same song. (laughs) Um, uh, But for me, I'm, I'm kind of a go with the flow kind of guy. So uh, I know some folks come into songwriting and and they'll have a notebook and they'll have uh, formed ideas or, or a a hook or titles. Mm -hmm. Um, And from, you know, what works for me is just, having a conversation at the beginning, just throwing out some ideas and, and then just going with it. I'm perfectly comfortable with someone else coming to the room with a title and be saying, okay, let's, let's work on that. Right. Let's little we'll chat through kind of what that song might be about and then, you know, go from there. So um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable just kind of going with the flow and just seeing where that, where, where it takes me. I think for me too, uh, if you don't have too formative an idea about what you're going to do going into it, I think you're just more open to tripping over something awesome.
1: You know, That's that's a good point, right? You could have too much written, almost be too prepared if there is such a thing. I like that, that you can, because from a title, uh, if you have a good title, then the song it can't write itself, but it's obviously got a a good uh, foundation with that title because that's the hook and you can write towards that, especially if it's a clever kind of title. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, And so when you write, uh, like you said, you're you're writing a lot for your own project, which is out now, The Long Way Home. But if you were to sit down and and have you tried to write for another artist? and Does does that change the way you write? And is it fun? I guess it's part two of the question, but is it fun to write – Maybe in a different style of, you know, you are going to record this, but man, I'd like to try something more redneck that I wouldn't sing, but I would like to write.
2: Absolutely, I mean, I think I think that's the way I used to write years ago. When when my buddy Mark and I would write, we weren't writing necessarily for us as the artists. We were just writing songs that we thought were fun or uh, captivating or cool or whatever it was. Right? Mm-hmm. It, we weren't writing for a specific purpose or a specific artist. So it was you could. You know, you could let any idea flow. I think, you know, I'm probably writing with more of a purpose now, but that might be just, you know, uh, who is an artist out there that might pull this off, right? Or right. Right? the perspective of this song makes sense from their persona or their, their you know, how they carry themselves as an artist and the, the things that they, you know, are represented in their music. Um, and I think we all have an idea about what, you know, who we are as artists I guess right so um, I, I'm sure I, I've you know written some songs where I'm like well this wouldn't be for me right I might dismiss that but I still want to write it because I think it's a great song and I think someone else might really take it somewhere that I might not be able to so yeah. so that's why for me I, I'm not a hundred percent only solely interested in writing for me as an artist because I I want to I, I I mean even for me as an artist doing a full record I wanted to have a wide, uh, selection of songs different sounds fast slow traditional you know more contemporary whatever mm-hmm. um and i hope i pulled that off i don't know i'll find out as time goes on <laughs> um but think, yeah. um, but other artists probably have the same thing and they've got a lane they might want to stick in and and but i might still want to write that song even though it's not yeah. for me right
1: makes sense yeah and exciting to see if that song can take off with someone else that you pitch it to and uh that's a cool journey on it on it of itself, uh, but the album is the long way home. Uh, 14 songs, fifty three minutes of uh, solid music on this album. Um, we're gonna turn to another track. Tell me about Unwind.
2: Yeah, un- unwind. this is this is an interesting one. this So this is one I wrote with um, Matt Teed and Jessica Soul. And uh, uh, this is another one where I don't think we really had much of a solid idea going in. We just kind of talked it through. Um, I think Jessica had the, the title and then we just sort of figured out sort of what that really was all about and, and wrote it. Um, what uh, I have to say that this one it was interesting on the, on the record because, um, uh, Matt and I were getting ready to go in the studio and I wasn't, I, mean, I won't say I wasn't sure about this song being on. I, I think I was sure about the song going on, but, uh, Matt can, you know, he can whip up a a uh, a demo like pretty quickly he's an extremely talented guy and so we were getting ready i think we were going to be in the studio on sunday i think we were to getting together on friday and right. did a demo for the song and the production of this so the the demo version of the song is very similar to what's on the record there is some um i got like some airiness and some uh echoing in the in the percussiveness uh, elements of uh, percussive elements of the song it's it's very um I kind of get a retro sense to some of that, like some 80s vibe, sort, sort, like 80s pop vibe, yeah, yeah, right? I would yeah. say, to the way the song sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, th- actually, we were, we were doing this right after the um, CCMAs um, when they were in uh, London. Uh, It was the very next day. I probably was up pretty late. I was probably having a bit of a rough day, maybe. I don't know. Um, And so laid the vocals down for this demo version. um, And, um, and when we went into the studio, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. What I was trying to do is recreate exactly the, the demo vocals. I was tired. I was probably a little hungover. I was, uh, I, you know, it was a one take thing, but I just couldn't get into it. And I just turned to Matt and I'm like, "Like, can we just use the demo vocals? <laughs> uh, that is not, I mean, it, that didn't happen on any of the other tracks. All the other tracks, you know, we made down um, in a more traditional way in the studio. But for that one, it uh, was really cool because I'd been listening to that demo, you know, in the car and wherever uh, a lot leading up to that. And I really liked the delivery. And uh, so Matt just listened. He said, yeah, I, I I don't see why we can't and so we did i think we we might have retracted one line uh just at the end of the song um but i i loved the production of this one particularly just the um that something something that reminiscent i think of sort of some kind of 80s pop so uh, well play the song i guess for folks and they can they can uh listen for themselves but it's it's i think it's a favorite of mine on there
0: this day has been crazy Just trying to get it behind me Getting down the hours To the clock and sets me free I've been getting up early And coming home late Trying to get home As fast as I can I'll be i
1: Sometimes you can create magic on that one take. That as you said, the demo version of a song that you might not be able to recapture, or you just know that there's something so special that there's no need to redo it.
2: Yeah, I don't know what it was about that particular song, that particular take. Um, and I think I was maybe just feeling too at the time what Matt had thrown down in fairly short order for that demo. And I I think I was sort of um yeah, I was really feeling I was kind of captivated by the sound. It sounded just from my perspective, really cool and unexpected. It's not what I thought the song was going to be. Interesting. Um, and, uh, and I just kept going back to that, take that version of the song, mm-hmm. you know, like I think all the other songs, we definitely retract the vocals, you know, um, they, I wasn't intending to keep them. It was just, it was just a version of the song for the band to listen to and come into the studio the night of how it was going to go. But that one just, stuck so uh took a little bit of the demo (laughs) into the
1: the cds that's awesome it's a beautiful song featured on the long way home the debut full-length album from my guest james downham from ontario Uh, as we get set to wrap up here james um what's on your bucket list what would you like to see happen in your career over the next year or so what what are you aiming for
2: wow well i mean I, i guess there's a lot of things on my bucket list i I don't I don't even know where to start I guess uh, I I'd, I'd like to be on some of those big you know festival stages playing some playing some songs I'd love to open for some of those bands that I listen to on the radio and love um, yeah you know I think uh, and anything's possible so I'm I'm gonna just open myself to the universe uh, finding a way to make these things happen but um, you know the last year and a half I've been really focused on Uh, the studio and getting this record out there and now I think I can turn my gaze to like I want to share this music with the world not just the recorded stuff but like on stage and play it live and hadn't I mean lots of people hadn't been doing a lot of performing uh, during the pandemic of course but um, uh, so that's I'm I mean I'm really super excited to be playing at the Rivoli on July the fifteenth. Yes. Um, uh, at the time of us recording, the the CMAOs are fast approaching, and I'll be doing a couple uh, showcase uh, shows there. So I'd love to do a showcase at uh, the CCMA's. I've never done that before. I've attended uh, a few times. Yes. So even just playing, uh, that's you know kind of a big event in uh, in the Canadian country world. So uh, having a chance to uh, to be playing a showcase for the CCMA's would be amazing. So that's maybe that's what I'll be looking forward to.
1: That's a, that's a great goal. Great thing to aim for. And as you mentioned, the Rivoli on Saturday, July 15th, neon and denim country music showcase that I'm putting on. You're one of my talented artists uh, performing. Can't wait to see and hear you that night and everybody else. So looking forward to that. James, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I love your album, The Long Way Home. And we played wine and whiskey and unwind. And there's 12 other tracks uh, aside from those on that album that people will enjoy. Thanks so much for being here
2: hey, I really appreciate it. Anytime, Dave, anytime.
1: I'm Dave Woods. Keep on keeping it country.